Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Hello and welcome to another episode of Recovery Talks Podcast. I'm Andy Daniel, Social Media Coordinator for MPN, and I'm here with Craig Fitch. He is the attorney for the Montana Board of Visitors and the patient lawyer at Montana State Hospital. Welcome, Craig. Hi, thank you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, as an undergraduate, I studied biology and philosophy, and I always thought I was probably going to be an environmental lawyer. And after law, uh, excuse me, after my undergraduate degrees, I went off to the Peace Corps and came back and applied to some law schools, and I was able to get in somewhere. Uh, I chose University of Montana because it was a public school and it had a significant environmental component, or at least advertised itself as having a significant environmental program for environmental law. And I had a good friend that first year, and we were talking, and he asked me, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be an environmental lawyer. I said, how about you? What do you want to do? And he said, well, I'm... My wife and I both have depression, and I came to law school because I'm really interested in making sure that there's uh, mental health parity in our insurance laws and other laws for health services. And I looked at him and I said, what? What the, you're, you're a weirdo, what? Mental health law, what is that? And I still didn't know by the end of law school, but at the time I was also volunteering as a consumer advocate. And I thought, well, if I don't do environmental law, I'll do consumer law. After law school, when we both graduated, as things turned out, he became the state lawyer for consumer protection. And I took the position at Montana State Hospital as a mental health lawyer and patient rights lawyer and as the lawyer for the Mental Disabilities Board of Visitors. And so I think that was kind of a humorous, ironic little bit of a twist. I thought I was only going to do it for a few years. I thought to myself, well, I know nothing about it. I can't believe that I'm going to be particularly interested in doing this, but I think it's something I can wake up and feel good about myself. I think I can feel like I'm helping somebody doing something helpful for the world or society at least. So I'm going to give it a shot. And 17 years later, I'm still doing it because I really, really enjoy the direct interaction I get with uh, my clients at Montana State Hospital. So tell us a little bit about what the Board of Visitors does. So the board with the funny name is, uh, think of it like a, not even though we're a government entity, think of us as having a nonprofit structure. So we have a few staff, but those staff are really uh, governed and supervised and employed by a board of six people. Those six people are individuals that have some significant experience in um, either with mental health or with a, a service of um, providing service to or being a primary or secondary consumer service for um, intellectual or developmental disabilities. And that those six individuals serve as the governing board for the agency, the Board of Visitors Agency. We Probably our primary fundamental duty is to be available to advocate and assist any individual, adult or child, in any public licensed mental health 
service system anywhere in the state. So that includes the nonprofit organizations such as um, the community mental health centers. It also includes the, the, the private entities like the major hospitals that have behavioral health units. And we also have the responsibility of directly working with individuals who are in our state institutions, including the state institution for individuals who have intellectual and developmental disabilities at Boulder. That's now called IBC Intensive Behavioral Center. So there's a variety of ways in which we do that. The board and staff are tasked with actually visiting individual service providers. So for example, in the western half of the state, we are supposed to visit every licensed facility, which would include, just as an example, Western Montana Mental Health Center satellite offices. So they have an office in Butte and Missoula and Kalispell, the western half of the state. Every year we will go to one or two or three of those. We try to hit six a year. And we inspect those facilities primarily with the eye of making sure that the people who are being served are getting quality services. It's kind of a broad statutory responsibility. It's much broader and more vague than licensing. We don't go in looking to make sure I's are dotted and T's are crossed. We like to interview the clients of the programs themselves, ask them how they feel about the services they're getting, and ask staff how they feel about their jobs and what they're doing, uh, ways and ask and look for ways that we can improve the services or recommend improvements to the, for the services and try just to push kind of gently and respectfully try to push the uh, service provider in to move forward in the overall quality of services they're providing. The other component of, of what we do is we have direct daily advocacy uh, op opportunities at Montana State Hospital and IBC, the Intensive Behavioral Center. I am at Montana State Hospital almost every work day, <clears throat> and our executive director is at the Intensive Behavioral Center quite often. And then my legal secretary and I have responsibility for acting on behalf of all the patients at Montana State Hospital. So we help with grievances, we uh, assist with complaints, we advocate with the providers, the doctors, the social workers, especially if the clients have difficulty speaking for themselves. Lots of individuals can actually do the job, of course, of, of expressing what they want. Sometimes at Montana State Hospital, their symptoms are um, acute enough, significant enough, that they have a little bit of difficulty doing that um, and being heard. And so that's when we are available to assist. And we also, assist individuals with some court hearings from a defense perspective. But, so in that respect, I act like a public defender. When an individual, when the hospital is, is looking to recommit an individual to Montana State Hospital, uh, that individual has the right to see the judge and contest that recommit process. <clears throat> and I help them in, that, in court in, that, in cases like that. There are also a couple of other administrative hearings that we have, which involve the administration of involuntary medication or medication involuntarily. Sometimes individuals who get committed to Montana State Hospital don't want to take medications as part of their treatment paradigm. And the medical providers, of course, being psychiatrists, really like medicines. And it is true that medicines are often very helpful 
especially when people are acutely symptomatic, getting those symptoms under control. Uh, and so I have to admit that we, uh, even, if, even though I don't much care for the medications, just from sort of a philosophical perspective, I, they do seem to help a lot of individuals. So if a treatment team thinks that one of the patients really needs medication to get their symptoms under control so that they can be discharged safely, they can request to give that person medication involuntarily. And then that patient and I get together to try to convince a medical panel that that's not necessary. The forensic review board is the last, sort of the last big piece of work that I do down at Montana State Hospital. And that's a system for moving people up and down the forensic level system, the level system at Montana State Hospital for individuals that are forensically committed. Well, I guess I should back up and say forensic means that they have been committed to Montana State Hospital because they've been found guilty of committing a crime. And then they've been adjudicated in a criminal setting as having committed a crime and also having a mental illness that's significant enough that they need treatment. And that's what forms the basis of a forensic commitment. Those individuals have a much more complex level system and to move towards more freedom within that campus structure, they need the approval of the forensic review board. And so I assist people in that process. So how does that relate to individuals? I mean, if say I'm not at Montana State Hospital, how does the Board of Visitors sort of relate to other people in the behavioral health system? Yep, yep, good question. And so that's what our other staff members, we have an executive director, a new, uh, newly hired executive director named Rena Sayert. She spent quite a few years working with the Department of Public Health and Human Services. And she is located in our Helena office. We have a phone number, direct line phone number published to her office. I think our published phone number is 406-444-3995. I'll call it very often, so I'm hoping I'm right. I uh, haven't forgotten. Uh, and we have a couple of staff there who can assist individuals who are having difficulty with their service provider or have a complaint about the provision of services or individual service providers. That can include direct care staff, that can include psychologists, psychiatrists, anyone who um, is part of a licensed mental health service provider facility private or nonprofit anywhere in the state, adult or children. We can assist in the grievance process. We can assist in people getting heard and even accept or initiate rarely, but occasionally, if there are many other options, we certainly can start an abuse and neglect investigation for individuals who believe they might have either been abused or neglected by their service provider. And one of the things that we talk about a lot at Montana's Care Network and, and in the, that system is many pathways, right? There are lots of different ways to get to recovery. I guess I'm wondering what kind of options there are, like at Montana State Hospital or at inpatient settings, do you see that as, as, as available? Or is there generally a prescribed kind of, these are the things you have to do? Yeah, that, 
that's a good question, and, 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 and it's somewhat dependent on the facility. Although I would say that even the best facilities really have a narrow pathway at the, at the inpatient level. Usually, people don't find themselves in an inpatient setting unless professionals have already deemed that their symptoms are fairly significant right. and that they need some significant intervention in order to get back on the path of recovery, get those symptoms under control. And so I don't know if there is any inpatient setting in the state that won't be very invested in the administration of medication. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there is one. Now, none of those facilities will initiate medications involuntarily absent an emergency situation other than Montana State Hospital, uh, the Intensive Behavioral Center, and the Lewistown facility, Montana Mental Health Nursing Care Center. Those three, and of course they're all state on. Those three are really the only facilities that will bring a person before a panel to try to convince that medical panel that this person isn't necessarily in an emergency setting, or excuse me, an emergency condition right now. They're not actively dangerous. However, their symptoms are so significant that they have been dangerous, they're likely to be dangerous to themselves or others, or they're so gravely disabled there is no way that we can discharge them. And so we need medications every day, even in the absence of an imminent emergency. And that sort of differentiates under federal and state law the need for the involuntary medication review board process. Under federal law, anybody who is posing an emergency to themselves or others can be medicated against their will with a one-time or 24 to 48-hour set of injections. But for a facility to continue to give that person medication even absent an emergency, an involuntary medication review board process is necessary. But even before that, there has to be a judge who has reviewed the information and given the um, legal blessing that, that the, the legal civil rights can be impinged upon under this situation or in this situation for this person in this setting. And again, that in our state, it really only happens at one of those three facilities. Someone has to see the judge, the judge has to agree that they need to be committed and as part of that commitment can be given medications involuntarily from a legal perspective. After they're committed, a medical panel looks at the medical necessity and medical appropriateness. <clears throat> and that's really the standard they're looking at to uh, facilitate effective treatment. Back to sort of your broader question, though, I don't think I've been to any, I think every single hospital I've been to, which is, I guess, all of them now, so I've been doing this for 17 years, all of them are pretty heavily invested in offering therapy, group therapy, sometimes individual therapy ideally individual therapy, and they will often, those hospitals will often allow individuals who are in their inpatient settings to utilize those um, therapeutic structures or therapeutic opportunities even in the absence, absence of medication, as long as they believe that the acuity of the symptoms can be uh, lessened relatively quick. Someone remains acute and doesn't want to take medications, 
then the, that hospital will likely petition to send them to Montana State Hospital. But I think I think everyone's invested in the in the uh, research that suggests medications and therapy work together. And I think every hospital is going to be offering group therapy and a few other things. Not many of the private hospitals are going to offer education or work opportunities. Mm -hmm. The short-term hospitals are really set up for that. Right. Those do exist in their state facilities. And work can be quite therapeutic for a lot of people and rewarding. So can some of the other things that the state offers in terms of some of the other therapeutic opportunities. We've got library and educational opportunities as well. Uh, Montana State Hospital used to employ a full-time an educational specialist. And the Board of Visitors just recommended that they restart that education specialist position because it's uh, laying dormant for quite a few years now. And the same thing at IBC. They have an education specialist, they have vocational specialists. Uh, there's a little bit less opportunity for occupational and uh, physical therapy, which is something that the major hospitals provide a little bit more than our state facilities do. But that's sort of a general roundup of the, the treatment interventions that are available at those facilities. Montana State Hospital, I believe, was the first hospital to fully embrace a peer support specialist as a full-time paid independent employment position. I know that Billings Clinic is working very hard to figure out how they can improve their peer support program. And as of right now, I'm not as familiar with what the other hospitals are doing. We don't have a lot of information from hospitals. I don't I don't think very many hospitals are using peer support. And part of this, I believe, is because technically the profession is still pretty new. Yeah. I mean, people have been doing peer support for ages, right? But as a profession where you're certified is very new. And there's a lot of changing people's perspective on what peer support means and that it is a profession. That you should be certified if you're gonna be providing peer support. You should have this training. The approval for Medicaid billing went through fairly recently, the last legislative session. So there's that piece of it now too, which takes us one more step, right? We've gotten to see things progress fairly quickly in the last few years. So that's encouraging, I think. And it's, it's just going to take some time to show that peer support really is a good option, that it keeps people out of crisis centers a lot of times. Um, if you just have that other person there that sort of knows what you're going through. There's a lot of up and down right now. Well, one of my favorite group therapies, actually probably my favorite, although I have to admit I really haven't sampled very many, and I certainly don't want to make any of the PhD psychologists <laughs> at Montana State Hospital mad at me, but my personal favorite is the group run by the peer support specialist at Montana State Hospital, specifically in assisting individuals with their wellness recovery action plan. Mm -hmm. I think that wellness recovery action plan is an absolutely wonderful tool that everyone should consider looking at. And I think the peer support specialists at Montana State Hospital are sort of in a unique position to assist people through the development of that, of that plan. And that's more of a clinical evidence-based practice that's important. 
one thing that is probably never going to convince individuals to pay a care support specialist, but is nonetheless really important. And frankly, it forms the basis of probably close to 30 to 40 percent of the work that Luana and I do at Montessori Hospital. Just, just let them be hurt. Allowing them to get a lot of their frustrations off the shaft and their anger and their hostility. Luana and I have learned to be pretty good about giving our clients 10 minutes. Not many people are happy about being at Montessori Hospital in the first place. So they really want to tell somebody they're unhappy. <laughs> and once we do that, we, we usually often have very good conversations with individuals. And it's not unusual for me to show up at the involuntary medication review board and say to the medical panel, my client and I had an excellent 40 minute conversation. And just five minutes earlier, the psychiatrist who's presenting the case, who says this person needs medications involuntarily because they're angry they're hostile i can't talk to them they're just busy yelling at me and i can't get anywhere and i'm able to say to the board well we had a great conversation okay yeah maybe we had the first 10 minutes they had to yell at me but once we got over that they, we talked about Helva. we talked about this we talked about the options they're willing to take something and so once i started to realize it's okay I can take five minutes. Things have just been a little smooth with patients for the most part. And I think we um, were able to have pretty good working relationships with clients, even when they're angry. Because I think they, once they understand that we're actually going to pay attention, things are a little more smooth. And so that's, I think, one of the best things that uh, the peer support specialist can offer. Peer support comes into the work environment already ready to do that yes. and, and capable. So I, I think they're a wonderful aspect. So if you've been working in the system for 17 years, tell me some of the things, like some positive changes that you've seen over that period of time. So I guess at the top of my, of my head, it would probably be the development of the peer support program, just the initiation, never, never mind the fact that it's gone through a wonderful progress for the certification. But even just the initiation, even at first when it was uncertain and no one knew much about it, including anybody who was even doing it. So what are the, some of the other things that I think I've seen improvements in the system of care in Montana? I think other than peer support, uh, there's been a real embracement of the trauma-informed care aspect of uh, service delivery. Um, provision of services that too took a little while for people to get comfortable with and there are still individuals that are of course not comfortable with the trauma-informed care and I certainly don't think it's practiced as well and as widely as it should be mm -hmm. um, but it's here in Montana people providers are well aware of it and the more sophisticated providers are educating their staff as best they can. And I think that's been a big improvement. And then I guess the other thing that I would say is probably the last thing I can think of sort of in this moment is I was really encouraged to see the rise of a number of new service providers, brand new service providers in order to infuse some of the larger cities with choices for, for clients. 
choices for individuals for who they get to see. Um, for instance, when I first started, Western Montana Mental Health Center was really the only service provider in Missoula. And then out of the blue, really, suddenly, uh, oh, excuse me, for adults, for adults. Mm -hmm. And then really over the next three or four years, Three Rivers, Winds of Change, and Sunburst all burst onto the scene and offered people choices. And Western, one of the benefits, one of the tangible benefits of that, is that Western had really developed into a pretty authoritarian provider of services. Clients really had to do what the doctor said or move services. And there wasn't much ability for any of us anywhere in the state, whether that's Montana Advocacy Program, the Super Desk Montana uh, Mental Health Ombudsman or the Board of Visitors, there wasn't a whole lot we could do to advocate for individuals. Once Three Rivers and Winds of Change and Sunburst opened their doors and there were suddenly choices, Western realized that they needed to change their model and change it fast. Otherwise, they were going to lose and they didn't actually change it fast, but they did change it. And so that was rewarding. Clients got a whole lot more autonomy, a whole lot more opportunity to take control of their own recovery um, process. And Western realized that they needed to be part of that process <clears throat> rather than being the boss. That was rewarding to see that. And so I, I really am a big advocate of competition in all of our major cities. I don't think we have enough competition in um, most of our cities. So that's one thing that I talk to the department about fairly often. Great. Well, it's been very informative talking to you today. Hi. Thank you. I, um, I appreciate the opportunity. The mental health ombudsman and the board of visitors are available for people if they need any help in accessing services or if they're frustrated with the service they're providing, we exist. We are funded by the taxpayers. We're government employees. And, uh, feel free to give us a call. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.